1: The Spirit of Jesus in me greets the Spirit of Jesus in you and bids us to come and worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the story, the story of salvation that has been boldly given to us through your scriptures. And we pray that as we take this time to unpack this passage, that you allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here to be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So our scripture starts out with these words. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is the very beginning of, of Luke chapter 15, and, and it, it's a, it's interesting because this is another meal story that Jesus is a part of. We had a meal story last week, if you remember, Jesus was uh, eating with uh, the Pharisees, and, and they were probably thinking that this was going to be a good opportunity just to try to hear who this Jesus was and, and what exactly it was that he was teaching the people, but as that meal unfolded, and as we heard last week, Jesus gave them a whole bunch of woes, a bunch of ways that they were, were taking God's word and, and twisting it to, to fit what they wanted, but also ways that they were abandoning it, what was the, the, the real meaning behind everything. And allowing their interpretation of god 's word to to lead people astray it 's always something that 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 actually honestly scares me whenever i 'm preaching and whenever i 'm preparing a message because that 's the last thing I want to do while i 'm up here. I do not want to leave anyone astray. I just want to help people connect and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But that's on that's the side that I kind of went on a tangent there, sorry. But today, Jesus is at another meal with sinners and with tax collectors. Two interesting words there, sinners. People who were, you know, that, that the Pharisees looked down upon. And, and tax collectors, which I think, honestly, the Pharisees, Pharisees thought were a lot worse than regular sinners. The tax collectors had a, a job that they had to do. They, they were collecting taxes for Caesar and, and for Herod. And, and one of the things that tax collectors would do at that time, we know they don't do it now, but one of the things they do at that time, they would kind of collect a little bit more than what they were supposed to, to re- receive for Caesar or for Herod, and they would just kind of put that in their own pocket. So so they were making money while they were collecting taxes for the leaders at that time. So tax collectors were, were looked at, at at the lowest of the lows. But Jesus, understanding and seeing what is going on here, he takes the opportunity to share three separate stories. And these are stories that we know that some call this chapter a, a trilogy of, of grace. Grace. Because all three of these passages give us a glimpse or a picture of what God's grace is all about. The first two that we'll talk about briefly, but then we'll really unpack the third one. We have the story of the lost sheep and the story of the lost coin. All I have to say are those two titles, and if you are familiar with Scripture, you know what these stories are about. First with the lost sheep, and the picture that we have here is a picture of a shepherd who has found their lost sheep, and they're and trying to reach down and pull them out of, of this dangerous situation. As the story goes, the shepherd is out with a hundred of his sheep, and he looks around and counts and realizes that one is gone. So he, he takes off to go and find this lost sheep while he leaves the other 99 just right there out in the middle of, of, of the open field. And he goes and he finds this lost sheep, and then he he collects that lost sheep, brings it back, and has a huge party to celebrate the one sheep that he found. The second story is kind of like that. It's a, a widow who, is clean, who realizes that she's lost a, a very, very important coin. Now, p- some people were wondering, uh, t- talked that this coin was like part of her, her salary. Other people said it was a dowry. Richard and I, we were talking uh, in between services, and he said, uh, it was an interesting way that I've never heard this before, is that she had this collection of coins that was given to her by her mother. And, and they were like an, an emergency. It, it was an emergency uh, stash that she had that was passed down from generation to generation. And, and when she lost this coin, she realized that it was part of the inheritance she received from her mom that she's supposed to pass on whenever she leaves. So, so losing this coin was such a, a earth-shattering moment for her that she just tore up her whole house, To find this coin, and when she found it again, she had a party to celebrate that once was lost, was now found. In, in, In verse 10, Jesus concludes these two specific passages with this scripture. He says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So these two stories, and and, and the story that we're going to really dig into, it's a lot more than finding something that was once lost and now found. It's a story of repentance. It's a story of, of understanding who and whose we are, and the celebration when somebody who has repented comes to see who they are really are as sons and daughters of God. We we love to look at the word repentance as trying to find a way to to say we're sorry for something wrong that we have done. But really repentance is a lot more than that. Repentance is taking that identity of who we are as Christ's beloved and living in that repentance, living into the the original story that was told all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, where where God created humankind in His own image, male and female, and said, not only that it was good, but it was very good. So Jesus is already setting up this this idea uh, of how those who are lost can be found and live into the truth that God has given them to live. My prayer is that as we take a look at this familiar story, we we look at it with new eyes. We look at it with a new way, so hopefully it will guide us as we continue to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. So I've asked Richard to help me uh, with this reading today. We're going to read bits and pieces of it, and I'll uh, elaborate in between different parts. So Richard, go ahead and get get us started this morning.
0: Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living.
1: Okay. This first section already gives us a picture of disrespect in a huge way for the idea that a son, not only a son, the second son, says, you know what, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm out of here, give me what belongs to me, and I'm I'm getting out of here. To have that happen in a story at Jesus' time was so earth-shattering. Because if we look at the Old Testament, we see the importance of, 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 the, of the family, the Jewish family, and how it was important to make sure that you respected and honored your parents. All we have to do is take a look at Exodus chapter 20 where we get the Ten Commandments. And the commandment that says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may live that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So, so following and honoring your parents was a way to help you grow and live long in the land that God has given you, to live in the promises that God has so blessed, richly blessed you with. But we know that the second son decided that he wanted to do something else. So as the Pharisees were already listening to this story. Their their, their minds probably started to trigger to different passages that were in the Old Testament. Just going one more chapter to Exodus chapter 21, we hear this, Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. And then Proverbs 20 Verse 20 says, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. So while we see the younger son want to go ahead and break this relationship with his father, we also see the first glimmer of grace in this story. Instead of the father taking the son and and dragging him to the center of town, which he could have done, and and, and cursed him in front of all of the people there and had him stoned, he went ahead and gave him as part of the inheritance. He extended that grace to the youngest son so he can then go off. But see, what the son was dealing with was a, a form of sin. See, sin is this separation that, that happens between us and someone else. It definitely is a separation that happens between us and the God who loves us and cares for us. See, that's what sin does. Sin causes separation in a way where you may not think that there's separation. My, my view of this younger son was thinking, well, you know, it's, it's what I deserve, so I may as well take it and go have fun with it right now. I deserve this even though it's breaking a fissure between me and my father. See, sin happens in our lives because it, it makes us look that we don't care anymore. because We don't care because we are the ones in charge. And we are the ones that are important, and we are the ones that matter. So my way goes above others. But then the story continues. Richard?
0: After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs.
1: So what Jesus is saying here is that the youngest son has hit absolute rock bottom. The son who, who thought he had anything and everything at, at his disposal when he, when he got the money and the inheritance from, from his dad, he said, I can live however I want to live because I am free to live how I want to live. And, and as he lost everything. As he lost all the financial independence that he may have had at that time, he realized that he had nothing. He realized that the rock bottom was there and he was living on it, so much for that he had to crawl around with pigs in order to get just a little bit of food Honestly, hitting rock bottom was a blessing. It, it, it was a blessing for, for this young man because sometimes hitting rock bottom is a way, a way that we've been talking about it this past week. It allows us to become awake. It allows us the opportunity to finally to see what is really happening around us and, and to live into the truth that is there it's not an individual's truth it was the truth that that he had squandered everything and he was now in need and the way that he thought that he could do this was to go back to his dad go back to his dad and hope not to be a son but to be a servant to have a roof over his head, to have three square meals a day, to, to have clothing, to, to have things to be able to take care of him that he didn't have in the land that was so far away. And then we continue. So he got up and went to his father. Okay, I love this part of the story. I love this part of the story because I can just see The Pharisees just going, okay, here we go. Jesus is going to let these sinners have it. He's going to let these sinners and the tax collectors have it, knowing that they are coming back. They're going to beg for repentance, and the dad is just going to strike them down. The dad is going to say, huh, yeah, you know all that money I gave you? Well, guess what? Now you have to pay it back. Or the dad could have been even harsher. And you remember what I said earlier, I'm going to take you into town, and I'm going to let the people stone you because you denied who I was in front of you. And so the Pharisees are going, okay, here we go. Jesus is going to tell some hard truth here, and they are going to see what they deserve being sinners, what they deserve by being tax collectors. But Jesus continues with,
0: Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate.
1: Have you ever seen one of the ocean movies? Talk about like Oceans 11, 12, 13. I think there's Oceans 8, which is a female version of that. Have you, have you seen those movies? And, one of the things that I absolutely love about those movies is that they, they build up to a particular point where you think something has happened, and at the very end of the movie, something switches or, or, or something clicks. And then you understand that there was something going on totally different all along, and and. and, and at least for me, my, my simplicity, my mind just go, Bow. wow, I can't believe that they did all of that during the whole movie while we were looking at something else. This is what's happening in this passage. While, 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 while the Pharisees were, were thinking, okay, this is where Jesus is taking, and honestly, I would think that the, 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 the tax collectors and the sinners, they were starting to put their heads down, realizing, okay, this is where Jesus is going to go with this, and I'm a miserable, horrible person, and I deserve the, 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 the tortures and fires of hell because of everything that I've done in my life. But Jesus does it differently. Jesus gives us a picture of a father who opens his arms and welcomes his son back. This picture is a famous painting by Rembrandt called The Prodigal Son, and, and I, I love this painting, because it shows just the difference between the father and the son. One of the things that I like about this picture, it's kind of hard to see far off, but I invite you to go take a look at it later. If you look at the son's feet, one of the shoes is totally gone. And the other shoe is like half there. So, so that is how low and how down the son was when he came to his father to, to beg for forgiveness and, and to be just a slave. But there's another painting, and, and I, I looked so hard this week to see if I could find it, but I couldn't. I saw it like about five or six years ago of the prodigal son, but, but it was different. The son was, was coming back to the father, walking down uh, the path, but you see the father running to meet the son. And, and the most interesting thing, there, there was a shoe thing that was happening in this painting too. But the shoe thing happened with the father, not the son. That if you looked at the, the feet of the father, he had one shoe that was on and one shoe that was off. And, and the, painter, the, the painter painted it this way because he wanted to show that the father was so excited that his son was returning, that he couldn't even get both shoes on, that he got one shoe on and boom, he was off to open up his arms to receive his son again and to let him know how much he loved and cared for him. See, Jesus takes this moment where where we think the son is going to get his just desserts, but instead he gets love he gets mercy he gets compassion and while that could just end the story right there it doesn't because jesus has a word for the pharisees and that is what this last part of the passage
0: is about richard would you finish us up meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What? You've got to be kidding me. He
1: gets a party while, while I have to stand out here and, and watch? That's not what happens here. The father who went to the son that ran away goes to the son that stayed, and he welcomed him into the feast as well. That's what Jesus is doing to the Pharisees. He is inviting them to the exact same feast that the sinners and the tax collectors are invited to. Not because they deserve anything or not because they earned it, but because of the love of the Father. Because of the love of the God that sent Jesus so that we may have life and have life abundantly. I tell you, I I, I really have a problem with this older son part. And the reason why I have a problem with the oldest son part is because I see myself more in the older son than I do on the runaway son or the son that is the prodigal. I see myself because I look and I say, why, why do they deserve God's love and mercy? Whenever I'm the one who have followed all the rules and I have checked every box that I needed to check. Why why do they get that mercy when I am the one who has not strayed? But see, the biggest issue is not what one son did and what the other did. The issue really is the, the, the sin that really covers all other sins and that is the sin of pride. Both of them have moments where they are very proud of who and what they have done. The, the the prodigal son who ran away said, "I don't need you. Just give me what I want and I can go do whatever I want." While the son who stayed home says, "You know what? You owe me. You owe me while your other son ran off, I stayed. And because I stayed, I deserve a whole lot more." The one that ran away said, "I want my freedom." I I, I want to be set free and do whatever I want. While the one that stayed said, you know what, because I stayed, I, I want what's due to me. I want you to recognize how important I am to you. One says, I deserve the chance to leave. I deserve the opportunity to go ahead and go. The other one says, you know what, I deserve the credit because I stayed put and I stayed faithful to you. But here's where things change. The prodigal son, who took off for his freedom, he finally returned home, while the other refused to come inside. My friends, one of the things that the Lenten journey brings to us is the opportunity to see: Are we the ones who who want to come inside and, and be welcomed by the God who loves us and cares for us, or are we the ones that will stand outside at the door and point fingers and say, "How dare God give grace to them? How dare God give grace whenever that all that grace should be given?" just to me. So here's a question. Where are you in the story? Are you like the son who who ran away because you wanted your freedom? You wanted to do whatever it is that you wanted, but that you feel that that something is eating inside of you because you're missing the true relationship that God wants to give you? Or are you the one that is just standing on the outside, shaking your head. How are you going to finish this story? You know, each morning we've been going through a book called Listen to Him by J.D. Walt. And I've been doing a reading on our Facebook group. And, and we end with uh, what's called the Jesus Prayer. It's, it's ten words. That's 10 words that I have been saying even more than just in the morning, just a reminder as I go throughout the day to help me remember who and whose I am. And those simple 10 words are like this. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. I think sometimes we want to identify sin or being a sinner as something we do. When we identify sin as something we do, like, like what the runaway son did, we can point to, well, you know, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. It doesn't really get to the, the root of, of what sin is. and It's saying that I am, by nature, a sinner. Because of man's fallen humanity, I am a sinner. But as the story of the prodigal son reminds us, that God doesn't want us just to be servants of his. God doesn't call us back so that that he can lord over our mistakes. God calls us back so that we can truly live as sons and daughters of God, so that we can live in that freedom that he gives us, that our sins and our past will not be held against us, but we live in this new reality that we are beloved children of God. And then finally, we can say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a saint. Because we're going to fall. We will have problems in our lives, but God continues to build us up as saints, at our, as our true identity as ones whom Christ dwells and alights, and live in God's unshakable kingdom. I pray that as we move through this prayer, we move from the one that ran away or stayed outside to the one that is embraced by our Heavenly Father. Let us pray. And in the words of the prayer that We pray each morning, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a daughter or a son. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a saint. Oh God, as we have heard this story that we have heard time and time again, Help us to internalize this story so that the love and the grace that is so lavishly poured out on the prodigal son and on the son that stayed home is the love and grace that we can fully accept and come inside, not as a servant, not as a hired hand, not as as a worker as your beloved children, invited to experience the kingdom of heaven that is already breaking through today so that we can join in the work of our good Father and expand that kingdom to others. And we pray this in the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.